Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Welcome, Marvel fans, to episode three of Marvel Cast, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast by fans and for fans. Each week, we will discuss the latest news regarding the MCU, followed by a review and discussion of the latest released content in this ever expanding multiverse. Our audience is a key component to our show, and we will wrap up each week by answering your Marvel related questions. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Steven, and joined with me today is my co host, JG. Welcome back, JG. How was your week? Uh, it's been a busy week as always, but uh, you know we have a lot of great stuff to talk about. A, a new Marvel movie, a new Marvel TV episode. It's always a good time to be a Marvel fan. Absolutely, it is. You know, we were just talking before we started recording how really between now and the start of 2022, we're going to have multiple films to talk about. It's going to take up a lot of our discussion, multiple TV shows. This show is never going to be um, wanting for content, I think. Um, as usual, if you're new to joining us, welcome. Um, we're going to be focusing on a few news stories today. We're going to dive into a review of a What If episode that premiered this morning on September 8th. And then we're going to do a spoiler-free review of Shang-Chi. So if you want to kind of move around throughout the podcast, that's the order we're going to head in. Let's start with our news today. Um, we've got a couple of news stories. We're going to go back to last week um, over the weekend. Shang-Chi came out as course that we're going to talk about today. And it smashed Labor Day box, off, box office records. A four-day total because of Labor Day was $94 million. This is the highest by far Labor Day weekend since, I think, 2007 Halloween, the remake. And it's also notably be, notable that the fact that it made $75.5 million on the typical three-day release, which is the second highest of the year, pretty close to Black Widow's $80 million. It should also be noted that Shang-Chi beat the weekend opening for Captain America 1 and Ant-Man. So, JG, you hear these numbers. We're talking 94 million over four days and 75 and a half over the three days. What stands out to you about these numbers? Does it prove that Marvel's stronger than ever? Where, where are your thoughts when you see those massive numbers? Yeah, a couple things come to mind. I think it really does show how much people love this movie i think there was a lot about you know we talked about last week i think there's a lot of word of mouth and i think a lot of people came out to see these and, and not only did people went and saw this movie but they liked this movie they loved this movie and i think it says a lot because i mean like you said halloween was the last uh you know number one spot for liberty weekend that came out not in the middle of a pandemic and that one made 30 million this tripled that essentially you know give or take with you know adjusted um inflation and such but still like it just really like i think it just shows that the the hunger for for marvel is there the hunger to go back to the movies is there and uh they really have something special here with this movie in this cast and speaking of the cast i know it's been all over twitter um the past couple days that the main actor that plays shang chi Simu Liu, he was out on Twitter almost mocking the fans, not the fans, the haters that were kind of giving hate, saying this movie was going to be the first Marvel bomb. And he's like, well, clearly it's not. And even in a pandemic, like you said, the Marvel fans came out and they came out Thursday. They came out Friday. They spread that word. I know I will talk about our spoiler free, free review in a bit, but 
I left the theater on Thursday texting my friends who were going to go see it Friday and some that were on the fence. And I said, you need to go see this as soon as possible because it's, it's, I mean, I think Marvel studios has that brand recognition that people know, you know what, we might not recognize any of the main cast in this. It's a whole new group for the most part with a few cameos, but for the most part, it's a new cast, but when they see that Marvel Studios, they know what to expect. You're going to get about a two-hour of entertainment. You're going to get an escape from this world and into a marvelous world. And I think that's what caused people to head out. And let's see what week two does, because that's what hurt Black Widow. This was only available in theaters. So if you wanted to see the latest Marvel movie, you needed to get your butt to theaters safely, of course. And it looks like people were able to do that. And what's also remarkable is there's many... Um, Many theaters and many areas of the world where this is not open yet, yet, including China, which can you imagine how big this is going to be when it opens up in China? They even talked um, about it, that China like is finally like given the AOK. So like I, I cannot wait to see like what those numbers bring. And you even talk about the cast, like the only recognized, like if you really look at the cast, besides like, you know, we had the, the, the few cameos that are in there, very few. Uh, the only really recognizable actor or actress like for the general american public is aquafina and she's more of a comedian this whole cast is not only is new to marvel but also mostly new to like american film in general there, there's definitely you know prominent actors and actresses but there are a lot more in foreign films i think even that in itself is remarkable absolutely and i think a lot of these names that might not have been are typically you know well known are going to turn out to be household names we're going to see these people i mean the fact that you know um, Simu Lu, who plays um, Shang-Chi, he started off as like, then I know pictures have been circulating online where he was a model just for like, you know, stock photos. And now look at him being in one of the biggest films of the year. And I think that's going to just prove and, and where they leave the character, I think we're going to see him in a variety of ways that we will talk about in the next couple of weeks as well. But it, that's great. Let's see what week two does. And we'll talk about it again next week. But a great opening weekend for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Second story I want to bring up with you is this actually just came out a few hours ago. I was reading an article where Benedict Cumberbatch was kind of teasing the relationship between um, Dr. Strange and Peter Parker. And, you know, I think back to where this relationship started, really, when they introduced themselves. And there was some comedy, of course, in Infinity War. And here's what Benedict Cumberbatch had to say. There's a close relationship. They're neighborhood superheroes, and they've had an experience or two. They've got history. It might be the case that Peter asks me to help him to do something. I think I'm allowed to say that much. I help him fill in his tax returns. That's what I do. So, of course, Benedict's um, throwing in a little humor. We've seen in the trailer he's going to have a big role, not just doing taxes. Um, JG, you hear this quote, and from the trailer, it looks like Dr. Strange is going to be a key player. What do you think about their relationship, where it started, where it's going? Um, talk to me about this relationship between these actors and characters. Yeah, I think in regards to specifically the characters, you know, Spider-Man, Peter, he's had to figure this out, like, being without uh, Tony now, like, you know, we saw that in the last Spider-Man film, you know, how he's coping with that, and it was a huge prominent theme, and I can almost feel that even though he's matured now and he's older, he can almost find that, fill in that gap, that whole, and obviously no one can ever replace that you know, that place that Tony had with him, but like kind of that fatherly figure, that older mentor, and that this could really blossom into a unique relationship and add maybe more of like a, how, you know, Tony had a, was a lot more down to earth and very into, you know, the science, the engineering. Maybe, you know, Strange can add more of that mystic side and like, 
you know, add some of that really interesting stuff that maybe, you know, Peter hasn't really dug into much and you could get a balance of the both the mechanical hands-on and maybe some of the mystic. I love that idea because it would take Peter Parker, Spider-Man from being the neighbor friendly neighborhood Spider-Man to being a much larger player. And it really, I mean, I love Tom Holland's portrayal. I hope that he continues to play this character through college and into adulthood if possible. And so there's so much room for this character to grow. And I think, like you said, Tony Stark was the mentor. Let's see a few other Avenger mentors going forward. Maybe this is um, Dr. Strange's chance. The one thing I'm not 100% sold on from the quote is when um, Benedict Cumberbatch says that they're both neighborhood superheroes. Um, I know Peter Parker, Spider-Man is. I don't really see that applying to Dr. Strange unless he's a, implying maybe that they're both in a relative similar neighborhood in New York and maybe having that geographical connection. I mean, do you view Dr. Strange as being a neighborhood superhero? <laughs> no, not at all. Not even the slightest. Like he's no, he's protecting the, the, the earth, the universe, even to a degree, like, and the multiverse, the multiverse at this point. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I don't, I think it's him being a little like cheeky almost. Cause like they're all both in like New York. So they're, you know, it's tomato, tomato to the him, I guess. But no, I think strange definitely has a lot more significance and a lot more on his shoulders than just the neighborhood of New York. Yeah, I agree. And so I, I'm looking forward to seeing where this takes Dr. Strange. We'll be seeing him, I guess, um, December 17th. And also then again, March 25th, unless dates change, but we'll be seeing him twice within the next couple of months. And can't wait to see how his character and Peter Parker's develop. The next story we want to bring up, um, just like we talk about every week, the Marvel production is going full steam ahead is one show comes out. Another one starts production. And so Samuel L. Jackson has started filming on the next Marvel Disney Plus series, Secret Invasion, which is set to be released some point in 2022. We don't know a lot. We don't have a lot to talk about. But JG, just hearing Samuel L. Jackson, who started this all back in 2008 with his cameo, are you excited to see him return? What are your hopes for this series? And um, just the fact that it's filming, are you excited? Oh, heck yes. Uh, you know, Secret Invasion is definitely like... I know when a lot of comic book fans talk about Marvel, like Secret Invasion comes up a lot. You know, still, I don't have much experience with the actual comics, but I know it's a big deal. And Kevin Feige has made it pretty clear that this is not going to be to that scope. But I do think it's going to still have some high consequences and be super important and set up some interesting things to come down the road. I mean, you don't just do the Secret Invasion storyline and just like, oh, it's just a side story. It's just a cute little like side path. Like, no, this is going to have some big stuff and like if it has you know samuel jackson it's gonna have the scrolls you know probably gonna get captain marvel might get monica rambo probably will get monica rambo to be honest that's probably where she's next gonna pop up we might even get miss marvel in it and we're getting amelia clark whoever her character is like yes i'm excited absolutely yeah I, I am too and you know i was just watching the first avengers the other night i'm trying to work my way through chronologically before next year and Seeing, you know, Samuel L. Jackson had a big role in the Avengers. He had a big role in the phase one of the films. But when you get to phase two and phase three, he, you know, he doesn't have as large of a role. And he starts to trickle down. So I'm pleasantly surprised that he's still interested in coming back. I'm excited to see this character, you know, in a variety of ways, probably in outer space with where the show might take place. And I think maybe this is a sign that Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury is going to take on a bigger role unless they do like a swan song thing, which I hope they don't. I think there's still plenty of room for this character to grow. And um, hopefully that's, we'll start finding out more and start to see some maybe set leaks and start to see some character appearances. Uh, I don't want to be spoiled, but I definitely like the teases and I want to have an idea of if this is going to connect to other projects. 
So that should be coming our way next year. The next big story, which even changed from what we talked about last week with even our planning of this new podcast, is the fact that Venom, Let There Be Carnage, has been pushed up two weeks with a release date now set for October 1st instead of October 15th. And it's believed that the reason that it shifted was goes back to our first story with the fact that Shang-Chi had such a successful opening weekend during a pandemic that it looks like Sony has a little bit more faith and this beats the alternative of moving to 2022, which was a rumor as well. So JG, we've got some watching to do. We've got some talking to do. We've got to move our schedule around, but we get another movie in less than a month. You ready for Venom, Let There Be Carnage? I am so ready. I got my tickets today for me and my friends. Like, you know, I'm so excited. Like, you know, we were, my friends and I were talking about it, like, oh yeah, we got to wait about a good month and a half till Venom. And like, I was like, yeah, I'll get the tickets for us. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh no, psych, it's coming out in like three weeks. And I was like, Let's get the tickets. And so uh, I'm pretty excited. I haven't seen the first Venom, so that's going to be something we talk about here um, in, a, in a very near episode. Uh, so I'm very excited to watch it and dive in. You know, these movies that they seem to be, you know, you know, maybe a year or three ago, they were like not so important. You know, they're not saying that they're bad. You know, Venom, I've heard so many good things about. But it was just a, something that, you know, when I'm consuming so much pop culture and so much entertainment, it, it you got to prioritize it. And Venom was just not a priority for me. Um, but now that Marvel is just blowing open the multiverse and things are connecting in ways that we never thought, you know, I'm excited to see what this is and, and all the hype for it. Like you said, I think the idea that just seeing that word Marvel and seeing now how it once what happened in Loki with opening the multiverse, what's about to happen, it makes all of everything, even if it's Sony, even if it's a TV show, even more, I think, maybe important when it comes to canon. I do think there's going to be some cameos in Venom, Let There Be Carnage, whether it's J. Jonah Jameson, wherever it's like any way they can connect the dots a little bit and set the seeds, because I'd be willing to bet my next paycheck that. At some point, when they renegotiated the Peter Parker's uh, Spider-Man Sony Disney deal, they had to make some kind of a agreement where I bet we're eventually going to see, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but at some point, we're going to see Tom Holland Spider-Man in the Sony films. And I really think and I hope this will give him a chance to kind of go back and forth. That way we'll get some awesome Spider-Man films with hopefully some Marvel Studios involvement. And we'll also get to see Tom Holland continue and I think this is a win-win for both Disney and Sony. And that's my hope that Venom, Let There Be Carnage will kind of set the seeds for what might come down the road, but not be too Easter egg heavy, if that yeah. makes sense. I think it's I think it's definitely going to have something shocking that's not going to, that's going to completely like connect to the MCU, like explicitly the MCU in some way. Because I do think that like, you know, Tom Holland now, like we've had, we're going to be on a third like official like, Spider-Man standalone film with him. And while he is so good at the role and so exciting, like you do need to freshen it up. You do need to spice it so that it that way we're not we're coming back to it and we're seeing something new. And that's why I do think like, you know, we still got plenty of time for us to make our predictions. But I, I've I've been telling my friends and and such that I think that they are going to introduce Miles in No Way Home. And I think you know, we are going to still see Tom in the MCU, but I think Tom is going to, for, for a period of time, spend more time in that Sony-verse a little bit. You know, he's going to be that mentor to Miles, so he's still going to show up. But I think that there is something fresh and something that is such a staple about Spider-Man, where it's that high school student, that high school story. And while and while Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man is now college and we want to see that story, we'll still get that. But we also are going to get this unique tale of Miles as well. 
I hope you're right. I think following different Spider-Men, following different storylines would be a great way. And then, of course, they're going to culminate at some point. Um, I'm looking up here that Venom, the first Venom in 2018, had the largest box, o- box office opening for an October release in 2018. And it said Venom broke the best opening weekend ever for a movie released in October with an estimated $80 million. So again, put that into perspective, that's in line with Shang-Chi during a pandemic. So I'll be curious to see, especially for a sequel that people have had now multiple years to watch the first Venom, bringing in new fans like you that didn't see the first one in theaters. I didn't see the first one in theaters. So I think this is going to give a chance for hopefully Venom 2 to even have a bigger box office and to keep that Sony Spider-Man universe going. Um, So yeah, let's see where that goes. And I'm hopefully just the fact that we get another movie within a month of the first of Shang-Chi, we're very lucky to have so much content to discuss. And, you know, as long as the quality keeps up, that's all I'm asking. Our final story for the day is the fact that um, there was a recent discussion. It's kind of tying back to the Scarlett Johansson and Disney legal battles, but it sounded like the Russo brothers who directed um, Captain America Civil War, directed Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War. They were in talks with Disney to start thinking about when they might be ready to come back, just getting kind of the groundwork. I don't think there's anything official set in stone. And from the recent reports, it sounds like they've kind of distanced themselves from Disney, kind of backed away and put their future with Marvel and Disney in question due to the fact of the Scarlett Johansson Disney battle. And I think part of that from as I was reading the article earlier today was the fact that the Russo brothers who have produced and directed some of the highest earning films of all time with Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, they might be a little bit hesitant because who knows what the next couple of years have in store. And they'd be a little bit afraid that if Disney chooses to go more into streaming, more into Disney Plus, where they make a higher profit, what if this massive movie with an incredible cast, a billion dollar potential goes to Disney Plus? And Disney might make that money, but what does that do for directors that want to see their film in theaters? So JG, you hear this news, you hear the reasoning why. Um, What are your thoughts about the Russo brothers being hesitant to get back into working with Disney in this next film? It makes sense. You know, we've seen a lot of directors. I don't think I've even seen one on the other side, but I think we've seen most directors who have spoken out be very adamant about the theater experience. And I tend to agree. And it's one of those things where it's so hard in the middle of a pandemic. You have to find that balance of, you know, that theater experience while also being safe and being responsible um, because things aren't safe out there for a lot of people right now. And these directors at the same point also want to make money and not only make money because that's their job, but that's their career, but their movies are movies now are made like even specifically like looking at Dune or heck even Shang-Chi like these movies, just the visuals, the scope, the camera, the cinematography. Yeah, you could get like the great the scope and the good story that on your on your screen in your living room. But there's something about not only the screen and the graphics and the visuals and the sound, but that community feeling. You know, when I went to see Shang-Chi last weekend, it was sold out. It was, there was not a, there were probably people illegally standing in the back for all I know. Like there were so many people. And I think the Russo brothers, I get it. And I also, I was wondering, I wonder if it's also, you know, on top of all that concern for them, I wonder if it's because they also have a personal relationship with Scarlett. Like, you know, if 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 you hurt my best friend and you piss off my best friend, then yeah, I'm gonna be a little jaded, you know? 
For sure. I mean, they've worked with her on at least three films, and that's going back to what, 2016? Probably they met in 2015. So they've had about six years of a relationship. So there's a lot of things that come into play here. And I agree with you, the theater experience, especially for these big epic films, which each Marvel movie is trying to make, and especially if the Russo brothers come back, they're not coming back for Shang-Chi 2. They're coming back for something big. And whatever that looks like with a multiverse war or whatever down the road, I think if Disney and Marvel are smart, they're going to find a way to get it into an agreement and get it into stone. They want these guys back because these guys have been successful on three team up films that have gone above and beyond and been successful to give each character their moments. If you try to bring in a new director or a pair of directors for the culminating Avengers um, five, Avengers six, whatever it's going to be, um, that's a big, that, those are big shoes to fill. And after, you know, Endgame was right up there as the number one movie of all time for a while. Um, if you know you have successful directors that can handle a difficult challenge of making a cohesive story that all ties together 20 films, you want them back. And so my opinion is, I think Disney's going to have to look at this really hard and figure out a way that they can make an agreement with the Russo brothers, because if not, they might throw away the potential of what could be $2 billion down the road. If you, if you do something to get some of these actors to come yeah. back after a long time. All righty. So that's going to wrap up our news for this week. Let's jump in. We've got one review today on um, this morning on Disney plus we saw the release of what if episode five. So we're over halfway through the season. This is one that I know a lot of fans were looking forward to, including your two co-hosts who are big walking dead fans. This one was just simply titled what if dot, dot, dot zombies. So JG, we've been waiting for this one. You and I talk Walking Dead off camera all the time. You just watched it very recently. Talk to me about Marvel Zombies. I'll be honest. So I got done. I was so after because I do reactions on my personal channel and uh, I ended with like a short like just review one to two minutes. And I had a hard time finding words how I felt. That's not to say that I didn't not like it and that it was bad. I thought it was pretty cool in a lot of ways. But it didn't leave me with the same feeling that I felt after last week's or even the Guardians personally. And and that it's really hard. Like, I don't have a word for how I feel. Like, I'm not like, oh, my gosh, I want to watch it again. And I'm not also like that was the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm very in the middle, I guess. I don't know. That seems to be the typical response I've seen online today. You know, I woke up early before work. I watched it um, and I've had it all day to kind of process it. I think this morning, like that's, that's a lot to digest, you know, before 7am even. So <laughs> to see, you know, these characters that you've loved for years and they're eating and attacking each other and then they're dying like brutally and one after another, this is clearly not a kid's show, this episode in particular. Um, it was a different take on zombies. The fact that we're seeing, like when I saw Iron Man pop out, I knew he was probably going to be a zombie at that point, but they have abilities of their powers. They're in control, but they're not in control. So there's that going on. Um, and I think what I, my favorite part about the episode when is seeing the core group of characters they chose to go with, and it would not be your typical A-list characters. So it gave these characters who are usually the side characters a chance to interact that never would have in the actual MCU um, timeline. So that's actually something I would love to see more of is if we could get more one-offs or, you know, even a movie with these side characters, I think that would be hilarious and fun. Um, I like the characters. I, 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 I'm still processing. it. I think, I mean, um, 
it's do you think what go ahead keep going it's i don't know it's just i think being the fact that like being the walking dead fan i think it does hamper my experience with this i'm so used to you know and it should be going with a fresh lens but like when you spent almost a decade with a tv show it's hard not to have that impressed on you i'm very used to and i've come to really enjoy like when it comes to like a post-apocalyptic or a zombie story very grounded very rules that make sense things that are very not whimsical so stories like the walking dead for example or the last of us video game things that seem that could actually happen in our real world when the zombie story goes a little crazy kind of like z nation z nation's an extreme though uh where it's extreme comedy but this gave me this gave me Z Nation vibes, you know, it was maybe a little bit, you know, it was in between Z Nation and Walking Dead, you know, it had quite a bit of comedy, it had zombies doing things that probably zombies wouldn't do. But then it also had some really dark, serious, heavy moments. And so I think seeing them using their powers and such the zombies themselves, while it made for some cool moments, and like some odd moments, you know, I think for us fans of Walking Dead, it's hard it's gonna be hard for us to i don't want to say accept it because that's kind of almost like gatekeeping in a way but it's it's hard for us to really process this because we're so used to zombies are dumb and they are hungry and that is it (laughs) yeah i do wonder if any of our fans are listening that don't watch the walking dead if you could maybe send in your thoughts about what you thought about this episode because um going back to what jg said you know we're not going to see on the walking dead negan or rick use superpowers to take out the zombies like wasp did for instance um and i do think you know that made it maybe for me a little bit interesting because like you said for the past decade i've watched not the same story played out in the same ways it always switches it up of course but i've never seen anything like this with zombies so maybe that was just something creative for me like and i do have a question for you what about jg whenever the wasp um went and shrunk down and went into um zombified Agent 13, um, Sharon Carter. Was that in reference to the whole theory that fans wanted Ant-Man to shrink down and go inside of Thanos and explode him? Like, was that, you think that was- It could be. to the fans? That could yeah. be, that easily could be. I, I was shocked. I guess there were some really cool visuals. Like, in, in, like I even said, like the standout, like the, the looks of the zombies, those were incredible. Specifically the heroes that, that turned into zombies. They were so specifically Captain America and the Scarlet Wedge. Those two, who whoever animated and drew those, like give them an award. Like they looked really good and really menacing. They did. I mean, it was it was frightening, like seeing, um, you know, Scarlet Witch pop out, and then like how they really set up um, Vision to almost be like the evil mad scientist. How he was doing his experiments and. At first, you like, oh, he saved us. But then you're realizing, hmm, why are the zombies not coming towards where Vision's at? What's he doing? Paul Rudd in a in a little jar yelling when Guardian Liviosa flying out of there. Like, there was humor. There was, it was what you expected. But, um, and just like the fact that no one was safe. Like, people were getting, you know, taken out one by one. Just like in a typical zombie movie, zombie TV show fashion. I did like that reference. And that Peter Parker kept being like, has no one ever seen a zombie? What about... When he mentioned about Tony, um, he also mentioned, I think this might be the first time in MCU where he's mentioned Uncle Ben, um, his uncle. Did he say Ben or did he just say uncle? I think he said Uncle Ben. Okay, so in when we first met him in um, Civil War, he there was a slight reference, but without saying uncle, without saying a name. 
this is the first time. And again, this is the same Peter Parker that we would have seen in infinity war. He already has the same background. So that was a nice call out. Um, do you think, is this a story where it ends there with zombified Thanos and Wakanda that it ends there? Or is this setting up for a season two, even without Chadwick Boseman, who, by the way, gave his quote about no one's ever gone as long as people remember him. And I could have stopped it and cried right there. Tell me about it. Uh, no, I, I, I feel like this is definitely one like out of any of them besides maybe, you know, where we saw Peter at the end of the Guardians one episode two. this one more than anything. I was like, I kind of want to see what happens next. Like, I don't think the story is over because there's no resolution like there's not even like even in the guardians like for the most part we got that resolution but then there's that little like tease at the end and all the other ones though like the story ends the story is very finite this is still like we haven't found the cure yet and what the heck is Thanos about to do which is obviously probably the snap but you know <laughs> i i think this is setting up for a sequel in season two um and I think that this one will definitely get a part two. And we have to, before we leave, address the fact that this is the second timeline that Hank Pym's kind of responsible for bringing to an end for different groups of Avengers. Um, we saw a couple episodes ago how, maybe that was even last week, how he, um, no, that was two weeks ago with episode three. And now with this one, how he went back to get, and I really liked how, I mean, the fact that they connected it back to multiple events from multiple films, I love it. I mean, I really think if you're a diehard Marvel fan, you've studied the films almost, you're going to get more out of this. And that's fine. Because again, I don't know if everyone that watched the live action shows like Loki or WandaVision or Falcon or Soldier are tuning into this weekly. I, I think some of them might be a little hesitant still, but this was an adult episode. I hope more people check it out. Anything else on what if zombies before we move on? Yeah, I did want to mention that whole scene where they're at where Vision's lab is. The scene where they're discovering the like where Wanda is basically that whole scene I thought was like perfect. It was super dark and super horror. Like it was super dark, super like just straight horror vibes. If they made the episode a little bit more like that and maybe toned down the humor, humor, then maybe I'd be like raving about this a lot more. And I think the humor worked to a degree. But that moment when they're just walking around in that lab and it's pitch black and it's scary as heck like that, that hit it for me. Absolutely. And hearing the ominous music playing, like yes. even played like darker versions of the heroes scores, like when Captain America died, I noticed that one zombie Captain America. I loved it. I mean, it was it, there were some moments, like you said, where I think for especially for people that have watched Walking Dead for as long as we have, we have to still kind of wrestle with a little bit. But I'd be down to see what happens next. I want to see these characters again. I mean, I, my favorite part was just seeing different characters that we usually wouldn't see interact, bring those minor characters back, those supporting characters, let them have a spotlight. All right. So next week we'll be back with what if episode six, we, it seems we usually find out around Monday or Tuesday, the posters of who's going to be in the episode. So right now it's a surprise. We don't know what the last um, four episodes have in store, but we're looking forward to it. All right, our main topic for tonight, and I feel like the main topic was really about zombies because we don't have a ton to say tonight because we're going to be very careful for those of you that haven't been out to see Shang-Chi. As we mentioned at the top of our show, we're highly recommended. It has Marvel cast seal of approval. Um, so we're going to be careful not to spoil anything before we wrap up the show today. So JG, go ahead, take it away. Marvel uh, Shang-Chi spoiler-free review. Go ahead, start us off go see it now <laughs> like what are like seriously like if you haven't seen it like 
stop what you're doing go find your local theater and go see it and bring a friend or two or family member or two this movie just surprised me like you know you go into it thinking like okay it's gonna be a marvel movie so it's gonna be at the least enjoyable it's also gonna be really good looking there is so much heart and so many like so much family to this story and that it just it is a fantastic story on its own like you could strip the marvel you know logo out from it and it would stand on its own and be one of if not the best movie of this year i agree with you i mean we get this origin story it's not um it's not just i, I hate to say it, it's not an origin story for just shang chi you go in thinking it's his movie and it is but we're also meeting a variety of side characters that are going to play a variety of roles going forward. And some of the side characters I would say are almost on pretty close equal playing field to him. So I don't want to spoil who that is. We'll talk more next week about that. Um, So much humor, so much visuals, like the fact that they were able to honor and give so much um, attention to detail when it comes to Chinese culture. And I mean, we saw something similar when they did Black Panther and they brought in an African-American um, and an African diverse production crew and cast. Now we're seeing the same thing. We're seeing a primarily Asian production crew and Asian cast. And I think that just goes to prove like if you let people tell stories about their own background and culture, you're going to get a better story. You're going to get a better movie. And I hope other studios follow suit because they've now nailed it with two very unique and very focused on um, more diverse cast in different parts of the world, whether it be in Africa, whether it be in China. So I really liked it. I think there are surprises, luckily, that were not in the trailer. I think the trailer did a good job mixing up when moments happen. You don't know if it's in the beginning, middle, or end. And I really feel like I don't want to spoil it. I think, I mean, we need to tell you there's two, there's a mid credit scene and a post credit scene. Always stick around till the end. Don't let them get and spoiled. They, <laughs> they oh, I, I hope no one got spoiled on those two scenes, especially the mid credits. And I can't wait to talk more about that next week with you. Um, yeah, go see this. Go and go in with an open mind to meet new characters. Um, and just really dive into a whole new section of the universe. What, I don't know what else there is to say on the matter. I think it's also really cool, too. Uh, so on Rotten Tomato, right now, it holds a 98% audience score, which is the highest out of any comic book movie. So th if that doesn't tell you enough... These are fans. These are people who are going in. These are not your critics, which some people are skeptic skeptic of. These are people like us and you going to see this movie and putting in that. And it's the rated the highest, higher than the Batman, higher than the other ones. Of course, it's subjective, but this movie is is doing really well. And it's it's just it's one of those stories that like I think a lot of people would go into it thinking that maybe like, oh, it's not my type of film, you know, I'm not into this, you know, it's not my my not my thing. But when you look at the core of the story and the core of what happens, it's such a relatable film. It's such a film that I think a lot of people can, you know, they can see themselves in these different characters, you know, on either side, on all sides. You know, it's such a movie that it speaks to i think i think it could speak to a lot of people and i think that's why it is so successful and why it's smashing the box office record why it has such unprecedented you know fan scores and such you know take a chance if you're even thinking like oh maybe it's not for me you know take a friend go for it i think it's going to surprise a lot of people it has 
And if you've seen other Marvel films, great. If you're just getting into Marvel, don't feel like you need to watch every single movie. Go out and try this one. It's an origin story. And yeah, you might miss a few references, but you can get caught up later. I really think the movie does a good job of really almost kind of kickstarting phase four because Black Widow was a prequel movie. This one, especially with some, you know, plot points and setting up some things, it's going to be exciting to see where these characters go in the future. And I hope that my fan audience will also share us your thoughts because next week when we dive in to our spoiler filled review, because we tried to walk a fine line of not saying anything too spoilery today, we would love to hear your thoughts. What did you think it like about the film? What was your favorite scene? Um, my last thing I want to say, because I can't believe I forgot it. And I know I, I think I messaged JG whenever I saw it on Thursday night. I honestly think this was the best fight and action scenes of any Marvel movie and possibly any movie. I mean, it was right up there with some of the best fighting and action scenes. And I could not tell in points where, where the actors ended and the computer graphics began. It was that well done where it was hard to believe that some of them were not filmed 100% because it was just, it was, it was, it was everything it should have been when it came to fighting. Um, JG, before we wrap up, anything else you want to share with what you're working on or where fans can find you as well? Yeah, uh, just doing stuff on my personal YouTube channel, which is uh, if you just search Cars, C-A-R-S-E, my last name, you can find it. I'm uh, doing reactions to the Marvel shows and many other shows, but specifically since we're talking Marvel, Marvel, and we brought it up today, Walking Dead as well. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to recently. All right. Well, I can't wait to be back with you next week to dive Same. into What If Episode 6, Shang-Chi, spoiler-filled discussion. So this is going to wrap up Episode 3 of Marvel Cast. We hope you've enjoyed diving into the world of Marvel with us. And we want the fans to interact with this podcast. So we can't wait to hear your feedback to films, discussion of what if, and any kind of questions you want us to tackle on this show. Our email address is marvelcastpod at gmail.com. Once again, marvel, M-A-R-V-E-L, cast, C-A-S-T, pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you. There's going to be a lot more content coming your way soon. Remember, we're part of 1138 Productions Network. And you might have noticed that if you were a follower of Star Wars Canon Podcast, you've already been receiving our episodes. And so we hope you'll continue to listen to us. And we hope that we can continue to provide great content for you. More information is coming soon on 1138 Productions. From JG and myself, we hope you have a marvelous week. And remember, I could do this all day. <laughs>